Dr. Natasha Campbell McBride holds a degree in medicine and postgraduate degrees in both neurology and human nutrition. In her clinic in Cambridge, she specialized in nutrition for children and adults with behavioral and learning disabilities and adults with digestive and immune system disorders. Dr. Campbell McBride set up the Cambridge Nutrition Clinic in 1998. As a parent of a child diagnosed with learning disabilities, she was acutely aware of the difficulties facing other parents like her, and she has devoted much of her time to helping these families. She realized that nutrition played a critical role in helping children and adults to overcome their disabilities and has pioneered the use of probiotics in this field. She believes that the link between learning disabilities, the food and drink that we take, and the condition of our digestive system is absolute, and the results of her work have supported her position on this subject. In her clinic, parents discuss all aspects of their child's condition, confident in the knowledge that they are not only talking to a professional, but to a parent that has lived their experience. Her deep understanding of the challenges they face puts her advice in a class of its own. She's the author of two GAPS books. The first, Gut and Psychology Syndrome. The second, Gut and Physiology Syndrome. She is the author of Vegetarianism Explained. Her books are translated in many languages throughout the world. Visit the website gaps.me to find a GAPS practitioner or click where to buy the books to find the right place to purchase the books, depending on what country you are in. Super excited today to be interviewing Dr. Natasha Campbell McBride. You are listening to The Dr. Haley Show, the podcast dedicated to helping you optimize your health. Each episode, there will be an interview or a message to help you discover better health. We will be featuring health radicals on the show to bring new ideas to the table, as well as doubling down on key fundamentals to support you living your best life. Your host is no other than the founder of Haley Nutrition, Dr. Michael Haley. Dr. Natasha Thank you for joining me. I want to take you back to when I had first heard your name, uh, Dallas. It was a Weston A. Price conference. And I was there as a a vendor for our products, uh, kind of new in business and trying to get our name out there. And all of a sudden, there was this this buzz in the air. There were people kind of uh, scurrying around and, you know, come on, it's time. We got to go. And uh, what what are you talking about? Well, aren't you going to go watch, you know, the GAPS diet? Dr. Natasha McBride is here. You know, you you have to come. You're not, you're not going to see this. And I didn't at the time know who you were, Uh, but everyone else did. And I kind of felt left out. I did a little research and I started uh, reading your first book, was blown away by it. And it kind of changed the way I practice forever. Um, Since then, uh, you have a new book out. I can't wait to dig into that a little bit. Um, I'm so excited. Thank you so much for joining me for this. That's a pleasure. Thank you for inviting me. You know, one of the things that that, um, really grabbed me recently was your new 
presentation on the microbiome. Microbiome has been a big topic for uh, the past couple decades. Um, and we probably are doing more and more uh, research on it. But until recently, for me, it was still kind of confusing. You presented it in a way that just blew me away. And, it, and you kind of connected the microbiome much to the, you know, and the gut much to a tree getting nutrients from the soil. And I'm wondering if you could start by telling us a little bit about that. Well, this planet that we live on belongs to the microbes. They, they're, they're in a vast, vast, vast majority on this planet. <clears throat> and every microbial community in the world is balanced. That's how microbes live with each other because every microbe taken on its own can cause problems, has its own needs, has its own um, things that it does and causes and excretes. <clears throat> but when the microbial community is well balanced, there is harmony. Every microbe controls each other. They all plant each other. They all harvest each other. They all eat each other and they all control each other. And as a community, as a balanced, harmonious community, it works. And that's what uh, every healthy environment on our beautiful planet is. It's a harmony, a balance between the tiniest creatures, the middle-sized and the biggest creatures. Everything's in balance, in harmony. We human beings are part of that community. Our bodies are part of the whole web of life on our beautiful planet. What's happening with other microbial communities and not only microbial, but bigger communities on the planet has a, an immediate uh, uh, result on what happens within us. We are now, the research has told us that human body is an ecosystem. We are a microbial community. There are microbes everywhere in your body. There is nothing microbe-free in your body. You have microbes in your blood, in your heart, in your lungs, in your liver, in your abdominal cavity, in your brain, in your eyes, in every liquid, everywhere. Everywhere there are microbial communities in your body. And if we look at the evolutionary biology, uh, then they will tell us that life on Earth evolved from microbes, that your cells that we actually call human cells used to be microbes eons ago. But they got together those microbes and one microbe said to another, I can do this for you. And this one said, well, I can do that in exchange. Let's cooperate. Let's join together, live together, and we will serve each other. And a third, then a third one came along and then a fourth came along. And that's how bigger creatures started appearing on the planet. And that's how the whole web of life has developed on the planet. <clears throat> so these cells, blood cells in particular in us humans, and immune cells in particular, the white blood cells, they actually look like microbes and behave like microbes still. If we didn't know that they were blood cells, you would think that this is actually a, a microbe uh, behaving the way it does. So even cells which don't look like microbes anymore, like your brain cells, for example, or your um, muscle cells or, or other cells, they have never forgotten who they are. They have never forgotten their ancestry. The biggest microbial community in your body lives inside your digestive system. Science, scientists gave, it, gave us that this figure. We don't know whether it's correct or whether it's not so correct. But they're telling us that 90% of all cells in your body live in your gut flora, in that microbial community inside your digestive system. 90%. Which means that you are just 10%. You're a shell. 
habitat for this mass of microbes that live inside you. And that's just only God for it. If you add to that microbial communities everywhere else in your body, <laughs> then you realize who you are. You're a microbial community. So when you take an antibiotic or any other microbe-killing chemical, you need to think very carefully, who are you attacking? Who are you trying to destroy? This microbial community in your gut is basically like soil. This is our own soil, like a soil that covers our planet. Top soil on our planet is a thin layer, uh, and it's, that's where all life begins and all life ends. It is the most precious part of nature, top soil. Why? Because it is a microbial community, a very rich, very balanced microbial community. Unfortunately, we human beings are very good at uh, causing imbalances in nature. Our industrial agriculture is the number one cause of global warming, number one cause of destruction of this planet. Arable industrial agriculture, growing commodity crops. Number one cause of all the destruction on the planet. They are destroying top soil on the planet at an alarming rate. That is a real emergency, the real big, big issue that we humans have. <clears throat> every time they dig, every time they till, every time they apply chemicals to the soil, they kill microbes. They cause an imbalance in that delicately balanced, harmonious microbial community in the soil. But once the balance is gone, the health is gone. Certain microbes suddenly overgrow, become a problem, other microbes are missing, and as a result, microbes which were used, used to be perfectly benign and, and good for us uh, as part of the uh, harmonious community, become pests, become problems, start causing diseases. So more chemicals are applied and more chemicals are applied and uh, th that's how it goes. Human beings have been doing that to the planet now for almost a hundred years and we are doing exactly the same to that top soil inside us. Your gut flora is the top soil in your body. It's just inside this tube, that worm that goes from your mouth to the end, and the whole inside of that worm, that tube, is covered with that topsoil. And the roots of your health sitting in that soil. Just like the roots of a tree are sitting in the topsoil and deriving all the health from that soil, the roots of your health, of every organ, every tissue, everything, no matter how far away from the gut it might be, the roots of all those places are sitting in that soil inside your digestive system. Because you began, we began as a worm eons ago. And then things started growing, arms, legs, bits and pieces started sticking out. And, and, and that's, that's, that's how the body has developed uh, altogether. Every time you take an antibiotic, every time you buy food in a supermarket, because majority of agricultural chemicals, which are used for growing, for producing industrial food, are laced with antibiotics. They are broad spectrum antibiotics. One of the most commonly used is glyphosate, Roundup herbicide. That is a broad-spectrum antibiotic. That's how it was um, patented when it was first discovered decades ago. So when people buy food in supermarkets, supermarkets are stocked by industrial agriculture. Everything you buy is full of chemicals. Organic label in supermarkets cannot be trusted anymore. That is a sad fact, I'm afraid. But... Um, some a couple of decades ago, maybe 10, 15 years ago, the industrial agriculture saw that organics are becoming more popular and people want clean food. So they wanted a piece of that pie and they put their own people into agricultural departments of every Western government. They control 
agricultural policies of the world. These companies are immensely wealthy and immensely powerful. So they have changed all the regulations and laws around organics. So now we have organic pesticides and practices which have no place in true organics. So they can produce all this cheap organic food with an organic label, but it is not organic anymore. While real organic producers are going out of business because they simply can't compete with these big guys. <clears throat> so everything you buy in a supermarket, even with an organic label, is laced with chemicals which destroy the balance in your microbial community in your body, first in the gut and everywhere else in your body. We actually have to stop buying food in supermarkets. We have to look elsewhere for buying food. We need to find farms, real, organic, mixed farms, buy directly from these people. What I tell my patients who live in cities is to find these farms. I give them a list of local farms quite often and take a weekend, put your kids, your dog in the car and go visit the farm. It makes a lovely day out. Visit the farmer because farmers like that, they welcome you with open arms. They've got nothing to hide. They have no barns full of chemicals. They have no refrigerators full of antibiotics and steroids. And they have happy animals, happy birds, happy soil, happy gardens, happy land altogether. And their produce is happy. It's, it's, it's charged with the right energy, the right uh, nutrients to give you perfect health and happiness. Start buying exclusively from these farmers. And then uh, I put in touch my uh, patients in the city. So they form a cooperative group. So one person drives this weekend out to the farm and brings food for the whole group. So everybody can come to their apartment and pick up their bits and pieces. And then as the group becomes next weekend, it'll be somebody else's uh, turn to do that for the whole group. So you don't have to drive every weekend to, to get your food supplies. And then when the group becomes big enough, the farmer is very happy to deliver to one place in the city so everybody, the whole group can come and pick up their bits and pieces. So we cannot buy food in supermarkets anymore, I'm afraid, because it is food that is destroying your gut flora. It is destroying your microbial community everywhere else in your body. And if there is imbalance, what is disease? It is a lack of balance. It is a shattered harmony, shattered balance. If you've killed off a bunch of microbes by these chemicals, agricultural chemicals, in your food, which you're eating for breakfast, lunch, and dinner, and in between. And you keep destroying the balance between microbes in your um, digestive system and everywhere else in the body. And if that is happening, expect chronic disease. Something that, that you said um, early in that, you mentioned glyphosate as an antibiotic. And I'd love to clarify for our listeners, and you also talked about organic pesticides, which I didn't know there were pesticides that are um, that could be classified as organic, those things being against life forms of antibiotics. And then you were talking about the chemicals in the food. I think we're kind of classifying all of them as against life antibiotic. Is that right? Absolutely. All of them, all of them are against life. And these foods that are produced by industrial agriculture, industrial agriculture is one of the most terrible things humanity have ever done on this planet. Yeah. It's all for profit. It's all for, for money. It's all out of greed. It's greed, all of it. That the energy of greed permeates the whole industry. And uh, there is a new science of biophysics, which talks about energies which talks about balances of energies. We are energetic beings. 
this we are full of energies and our environment is full of energies and every form of energy has a certain uh, frequency of vibration greed has a very low frequency of vibration destructive frequency the same with anger the same with suffering the same with grief the same with hurt the same with all of these things they have a very low destructive frequency of vibration which gives you disease all food in a supermarket is full of these frequencies because this food meat comes from suffering animals eggs come from suffering birds milk comes from suffering animals and these are not real animals at all they were bred in laboratories to produce three times more milk than a normal natural cow is able to produce that's a frankenstein animal and a frankenstein milk and all dairy in supermarkets comes from these cows so what you're buying, what you're eating, you're eating energy. And you're eating energy of suffering, of disease, of pain, of grief. How can this energy bring you good health? We have to buy food from a, a place where there are happy animals grazing on true natural pasture, where there is a, a plethora of uh, herbs and grasses which uh, Mother Nature provided them with. These are happy animals. Their milk is happy. It has a much higher frequency of vibration. Their eggs are happy. Their meat is happy. And the vegetables and other plants that we grow on, on a healthy soil with healthy natural practices also have a much higher frequency of vibration. This is health you're consuming because food is energy and your body is an energetic being. It consumes energy in the form of food and converts it into various uh, things that your body needs. So. If it comes at a low vibration of grief and greed and anger and suffering, it will never bring you health. You have to consume food from a much higher level of vibration. And that comes from real organic farms. I'm an organic farmer myself, have been for the last nine years. So um, I know what a healthy soul looks like, what healthy animals look like, and what healthy food looks like. Can you clarify a little bit, because you talked about the co-ops and, you know, you actually go to the farms and you um, know what to look for to know that you have happy animals. If I go to the grocery store, I might buy grass-fed beef or pastured from free-range, you know, hens, the eggs. What might I expect if I'm buying those at the grocery versus through a co-op where we really did our due diligence checking out the farm to know that it's really a happy place. The wealthy global corporations are run by psychopathic greed. They are master manipulators. The label grass-fed in a supermarket is a manipulation. It means that these animals never see pasture. They never see sunlight. They sit in a cafe, they sit in a, um, in a prison, in a building, the farmer goes and plows all the pastures where the cows are supposed to be because it's easier for him. He's got machines, he's got chemicals, sprays them with chemicals, seeds them with hybrid seeds, which are sprayed with chemicals. Then he cuts all that grass, holds it into the prison and feeds that grass to the cows. And on that basis, he's allowed to call his meat grass-fed. That's what you're buying in a supermarket. You're buying a lie, a manipulation. This is the same with free-range hens. These are hens who sit in a prison. They never see sunlight, but there is a tiny little door in the wall of their prison which allows them to come into a little concrete yard with no grass, um, 
chickens, turkeys, and other birds must be on grass, on pasture, because they eat a huge amount of grasses and herbs. And they find their own meat on the pasture because all the insects and grubs and worms and other things that, you know, they eat a lot of meat, chickens, and they eat a lot of greenery because greenery provides them with uh, carotenoids, which then give the yolk that yellow-orange color. Where do you think the yellow-orange color from comes from in a real egg from a real chicken who's been on a pasture, on real pasture, from the grasses and from the herbs. And that's full of health and full of beauty for you and then full of nourishment for you. Where does the color comes in the supermarket egg? From a synthetic dye that is added into the feed of the chickens. How can you compare the health properties of the chew? You can't even compare. Yeah, I, I agree with you. Um, in you know, having had my own chickens in the backyard here in Florida, um, lizards are steak for chickens, and whether they're eating the grass and getting the um, phytochemicals from the grasses and the leaves and you know all the things they eat that are green, or eating the things that ate the things that are green, you know, it's still getting into their system and these beautiful bright orange eggs. I'm always reminded of a commercial that at such and such of farms, our hens are fed a vegan diet of, I think it was soy, marigold, and whatever the three things were. And you're realizing, okay, first of all, chickens aren't vegans. And you're essentially feeding them something to intentionally dye the egg, the color that you would like it to appear so that we think it's actually healthy. <laughs> there, is um, nothing, there is nothing vegan in nature. Everything in nature consumes meat in one form or another. Cows, when they eat grass, they eat a lot of insects. The same with chickens, uh, they eat a lot of meat because egg is almost pure protein, pure protein and fat. Uh, where does all that protein and fat has to come from? from insects, from worms, from all the uh, little creepy crawlies that they find, you know, chickens. That's, that's the best thing for them. And if you have a chicken, you give them a, a choice between something vegetarian and uh, a, a piece of meat, minced meat. If you, if you drop some minced meat on the ground for them, you have a look, your chickens will immediately tell you what their choice is, where they will run and what they will gobble up <laughs> first before they look at any greenery. There is nothing vegetarian. And there is a recent research to actually show that plants are carnivorous. They're not vegetarians. You know what plants do? It's actually fascinating. What they do, they capture the sunlight and turn it into carbohydrates, into sugars. And then they, through photosynthesis. And then they send those sugars into the roots. And the roots sort of ooze the sugars into the surrounding soil. That attracts microbes because they love sugars and fungi and then various creatures that live in the soil. So these come to, they, they come to the roots to feast on these carbohydrates. And then <clears throat> the roots absorb them, invite them in. So the microbes come in inside the hair roots of the plant. And then what the plant does, it takes them inside its cells, chops them up, digests them, dissolves them, and eats them. It's, it, 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 they, the plants eat meat. They meat are microbes. That's, that's the recent research. So there is nothing vegetarian on this planet. Everything is carnivorous. Wow. I'm glad that you have uh, touched on the subject of vegetarianism. I have a book that I've written <clears throat> on this subject called Vegetarianism Explained. I don't know if you've come across it. It came, came out in um, 2017. And the reason I've written this book is because I was getting so many young people with mental illness, particularly anorexia, 
who have become ill because of vegetarianism. When you start asking uh, the whole history, you quickly find out that the child was perfectly healthy before they became vegetarian. And that spurred my interest in the whole vegetarianism thing because we live in a world of nutritional propaganda and the propaganda now coming from the mainstream is for vegetarianism, veganism and vegetarianism. If you listen to governments, um, they want the whole planet to be vegan, <laughs> pretty much. And propaganda is very cleverly constructed. It's based on emotions and on, on ignorance. It's, it's targeted at young people who are ignorant in what really happens in nature, and uh, it touches their emotions. It shows them these cafos, these confined factory operations, these prisons of the industrial agriculture with poor suffering animals and poor suffering birds. And based on that emotion, these young people are encouraged to become vegan and vegetarian. What they're doing by making this choice, actually destroying the planet further. Vegetarians destroy the planet. They are not saving the planet, they are destroying the planet. Because the only way to uh, supply uh, large uh, humanity with vegan and vegetarian food is through industrial arable agriculture. There's no other way. And this propaganda comes from Monsanto, from Bayer, from DuPont, Chem China, and other uh, of those bigamoths, those, those huge multi-trillion global corporations who are benefiting the psychopathic greed who epitomize the psychopathic greed on our planet. What I have discovered <clears throat> through my clinical experience and through clinical experience of other practitioners, other doctors, and through basic sciences, that Mother Nature gave us two groups of foods on the planet, animal foods, meat, fish, eggs and dairy, and plant foods. And these two groups of foods work very differently in the human body. Plants, as I say, have photosynthesis, so they grab hold of sunlight and they turn it into solid matter, green mass that we can touch and we can eat. Then Mother Nature created something else that could consume the sunlight in the form of plants, and that's herbivorous animals. Cows, goats, sheep, giraffe, and, and deer, antelope, and so on. And in order for these creatures to digest all that plant matter, Mother Nature equipped them with a very special digestive system called the rumen. The cow has enormous three stomachs full of microbes because the basic scientific fact that we had from 1930s from basic sciences that nothing on this planet can digest plants apart from microbes. Let me repeat that. Nothing on this beautiful planet can digest plant matter apart from microbes. Mother Nature used this fact for creating the rumen of a cow. It's the microbes in her three enormous stomachs that digest the grass for her. The cow is unable to digest the grass herself. We human beings don't have a rumen. We have a small stomach, which produces hydrochloric acid. The acidity can be quite high. It can be pH below one when we're hungry. And that's an extremely hostile environment for any microbe to survive. That is why human stomach is almost sterile. It's one of places in our body where there aren't many microbes hanging on there, surviving in there. So plants are indigestible for the human beings. They are indigestible for us. They're full of proteins which are indigestible and very harmful for us, such as gluten, saccharin, ovenin, lectins, and many others. We're researching these proteins now. They're full of fats, polyunsaturated fatty acids, which are uh, bad for the human beings in excess. We need them, but in tiny, tiny amounts. 
and they're indigestible. They cannot feed the human body to any degree. They are not feeding substances for us. On top of that, they are very damaging for the human digestive system. You have to have a very well-functioning digestive system to consume a lot of plant matter. Only microbes can digest them. Human stomach has no microbes. It has hydrochloric acid and pepsin and other elements. This stomach juice is, however, perfectly designed to digest, unravel, and break down meat, fish, eggs, and dairy. These are the only things that properly digest in a human stomach. And then this whole mass is passed into uh, several meters of intestines where absorption of food happens. And of course, the body can only absorb what has been digested properly, which is again, meat, fish, eggs, and dairy. So the only foods that feed your body and maintain your physical structure that you live in, your big brain, your big lungs, your big heart, your big liver, your bones, your muscles, all of these uh, uh, organs, this whole physical structure you live in is highly material, highly physical, and it needs feeding all the time and it needs maintaining because every cell in the human body lives only a short life, a little life. It dies, it gets re uh, removed. A new baby cell is born to replace that dead cell. In order to give birth to trillions of new baby cells, building materials are required. And the only foods that can provide proper building materials for this process are meat, fish, eggs, and dairy, animal foods. So only animal foods feed, nourish, and maintain the physical body you live in. Plants are unable to do that. They do not feed humans. So why do we eat plants at all? Because plants have many cleansing substances in them. They keep our bodies clean on the inside, and they give us color, they give us flavors, they give us variety, they give us fun plants. However, my patients taught me a very interesting fact uh, that human beings can live perfectly, perfectly without plants at all. I had these groups of patients in whom their digestive system was so damaged, no amount of plant matter was tolerated because plants are difficult to digest. They're indigestible and every plant contains huge list of anti-nutrients, chemicals that damage your digestive system damage your joints, damage your connective tissue, and can downright make you very ill or even kill you. And that's conventional vegetation, correct? Not necessarily the homegrown? All vegetation, all vegetation. Okay. All conventional, natural, uh, the, the, the plants that matter grows and the plants that humans grow, particularly the plants that humans grow. Are you enjoying the show thus far? One of the many health secrets that we have covered on the show is all around aloe vera, specifically drinking raw aloe vera. Our aloe vera has helped our customers effectively heal their gut, increase their intestine health, lower inflammation in the body, eliminate and or decrease acid reflux, have glowing skin and hair, and so much more. Now, as a frequent member of our audience, you will be exposed to exclusive specials and coupon codes for the awesome products manufactured by Haley Nutrition. That's right, for simply being awesome and tuning in, you can get a mini discount to help you optimize and better your health. To see how we can help and support you on your health journey, tune into the episodes and listen for coupon codes that you can use at www.haleynutrition.com before you make your orders of raw aloe vera. Once again, it's www.haleynutrition.com. Now, back to the show. 
So what I found with these patients, and this were ulcerative colitis, Crohn's disease, f babies with f terrible condition, people with terrible allergies, people with severe mental illness, people with severe autoimmune disease. We were removing and removing plant matter because their gut was just not tolerating any plants at all until we stopped all plants altogether. They lived entirely on animal foods. And that form of diet is now described in my blue book, Gut and Physiology Syndrome. Uh, it's called the No Plant Gaps Diet. And only when we removed all plant matter out of their diet, not a speck, not a leaf, not a spice, nothing out of plant kingdom, these people started recovering. The inflammatory markers started disappearing. We, we could stop all the medications. And I have now large group of these people and it's growing all the time uh, who live entirely on animal foods, very happy, bright eyed, bushy tailed, no illnesses, no diseases. They've got their lives back, these people. And they have no intentions of reintroducing plants at all. Now we have a movement in the world of these kind of people who cannot tolerate plant matter at all. And that is called the uh, primal diet. These are people who live entirely on animal foods, entirely. They eat no plants at all. So these patients have taught me, opened my eyes and taught me that human beings can live without plants perfectly well, beautifully. In fact, recover from terrible diseases and uh, get their lives back and live perfectly well. However, another very, very large group of patients with anorexia, with OCD, with schizophrenia, with various other mental illness and physical illnesses, taught me that human beings cannot live without animal foods because plants do not feed us. They damage us and they, 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 they're only able to cleanse your body. So veganism is not a diet. It is a form of fasting. I have a chapter on fasting in this book where I describe different forms of fasting, starting from the most extreme one when you only drink water to the, uh, the most relaxed one, which is veganism. Fasting can be very beneficial. It's very cleansing, detoxifying, and uh, many people healed from various illnesses on fasting, but nobody can fast forever, right? Everybody understands that. You have to start eating at some point. And veganism is not a diet. Nobody can live on it forever. You can only fast for a period of time on a veganism. Then at certain point when your body has finished cleansing, it will give you a signal. I finished cleansing now, I'm hungry. Feed me. The way it will give you that signal, it'll, it'll make, give you desire for a piece of meat, for a roasted chicken, for a bacon, for eggs, for cream, for animal food. Problem is many vegans in our world have been brainwashed by the big psychopathic greed conglomerates, the Monsantos of this world, and uh, they don't listen to their body. They force it to continue cleansing when the body is asking to be fed. And that's the point at which the body has no choice but to start breaking down less important tissues to feed more important organs. So you start losing muscle mass, bone mass, to feed your brain, your heart, your lungs, your liver, and other vital organs. And gradually, the longer this situation continues, the more the person starts developing um, chronic disease. Usually the brain uh, suffers the most in these patients. The cognitive ability declines, intelligence declines, their IQ declines dramatically in these people. They don't realize it, that they're losing their brain capacity, that they're not becoming bright anymore, that they used to be. Their memory suffers, but they don't realize that, these people. They continue forcing their body to continue cleansing.
It is possible to be a healthy vegetarian as long as you continue consuming some animal foods to maintain the physical structure of your body. And this kind of cultures exist in India. This kind of vegetarianism in India, I've been to India many times and I've researched this. This uh, vegetarian cultures in India, um, they're not vegetarians by choice. The vegetarians are out of poverty. They can't afford to eat. If they grow animals, they can't afford to, to eat their own animals because they can sell the animal and the amount of money they get for it, they can buy rice for the whole year for the whole family. That's why they're vegetarians. But when, I mean, they, but when they get any chance to eat fish or to eat meat, um, they will never say no. So they sustain their bodies through dairy, a lot of dairy products, and through eggs. They all have chickens, they all have ducks, they eat plenty of eggs, and they, the cow in India is a sacred animal. Why do you think it is a sacred animal in India? Because Indians know that without the cow, they will perish. They will not survive. Because India has always been grossly overpopulated. People are everywhere in India. That is why the cow is a sacred animal. She gives them ghee, butter, cheese, cream, milk. Animal food that can maintain the physical structure of their bodies. That is why they're vegetarians, these people. Are they doing anything to the uh, fruits and vegetables to make them more usable, um, such as uh, fermenting, cooking, or? Yes, they ferment a lot. Fermentation predigests what we're doing here. We are employing microbes to digest the plant matter for us, but we're doing it outside our body before we put those plants in our mouth. And that's a very sensible thing to do. And every culture around the world uh, knew that the most precious bits on their plate are meat, fish, eggs, and dairy. But there were periods of time when they could not obtain these foods. So they would subsist on, on plants, plant matter that they can harvest or grow in the local area. And they fermented most of it. Almost all grains and legumes around the world have been fermented before people consume them in every culture. If you look at the traditional cultures, in every culture, because people knew that grains and legumes are some of the most damaging and dangerous plants to consume without proper processing, without fermenting them, grinding them, then fermenting them again, then grinding them again, you know, and only then cooking them, making some bread or making something out of them. So Indian culture, traditional culture has a lot of fermented foods. Um, tell us about the uh, benefits of fermented vegetables as we're talking about the fact that we don't necessarily need them. Um, I know that there are benefits to using them when they Absolutely. are properly prepared. Of course, of course. Absolutely. What we do with fermentation, as I say, we employ microbes to digest the food for us before we put it in our mouths because we can't digest plants. We're incapable of that. And in the process of uh, digesting, uh, the plant matter for us, the microbes release nutrients. They enrich the whole mixture with probiotic microbes. So fermented foods are highly, uh, best quality probiotics that you can eat, that you can consume. And they enrich the whole thing with enzymes, which help us to digest food and stay clean on the inside. And uh, very importantly, they digest the tough to digest substances in plants and release them in a digestible form into the whole mixture. The good example of it is that a helping of sauerkraut, fermented cabbage, will provide you with almost 20 times more bioavailable vitamin C than the same helping of fresh cabbage. Because in fresh cabbage, vitamin C is locked in the cellular structure of the cabbage 
and your human digestive system is incapable of extracting it. Microbes, however, during process of fermentation, break that structure and release vitamin C into the whole mixture, into the juices. So when we eat sauerkraut, we eat huge amounts of vitamin C. Fermented foods, fermented vegetables and food are the best vitamin C supplements in the world. In, in your book, uh, Gut and Physiology Syndrome, you described the the soil outside and the microbes. And what I got out of that essentially was, well, there's bacteria in the soil and the bacteria are consumed by larger forms that are consumed by larger forms. And, you know, eventually the uh, birds are eating the worms and, you know, everybody's pooping all over the place making soil. And then you kind of brought it into the human gut because there's this microbiome with the bacteria and the, you know, even worms, you know, up the chain to the larger types of um, living creatures, all excreting. You talked about a, a biofilm that's made. And then instead of the roots of the tree sinking into the soil, you talked about the roots of the intestines sinking into the um, bio sludge or biofilms created by the, can you tell us a little bit more about that? Absolutely. If you look under the microscope, at the hair roots of the plant, and at the surface, absorptive surface of the human digestive system, digestive tract, the pictures look almost identical. The hair roots of the plant, you know, long, 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 and they multiply, sitting in the soil. And the absorptive surface has finger-like protrusions called villi, and every villus is covered by uh, cells called enterocytes, which have hairs on them as well. They have a rich head of hair, long, stringy hair. So it looks very much like hair roots. And around that whole hair root structure of your digestive system, there is this brownish looking goo, <laughs> which looks like soil. And that is your microbial community. That is your gut flora. Because every microbe, nothing in nature can live in the open. Uh, everything in nature creates a little home for itself. So every microbe oozes out, exudates sticky substances to create a little home for itself, to, to create walls and maybe furniture, who knows, and bedrooms and whatever. And uh, because there are so many different microbes in the gut floor, there are viruses, there are a myriad of, you know, trillions of different forms of bacteria, and then there are archaea, and then there are protozoa and uh, fungi and, and all sorts of things. And all of them are producing these sticky substances. And these sticky substances mix together because they're all together in a mixture. What your microbial community in the gut is, like a, is like a sophisticated city, like a, like, like, a, like a planet with its web of life, or even city. Let me, let me give you that analogy. What is a sophisticated, well-functioning city? There is a system of roads and streets and lanes coming through every door, every, uh, there are buildings, there is a sewage system, there is a water supply, very sophisticated system, then there is gas supply, there's electricity supply, there's traffic going on, and there's, there, there are higher structures, everything's organized, everything's functioning well in there. That is an example of what your gut floor is like. It is just as complex and sophisticated as the most sophisticated city in the world. And every microbe creates its own little buildings, its own little homes, and there are streets. The streets are provided by fungi because fungal mycelia are about 100 times bigger than the size of a, of a, of a bacterium. 
So uh, they create like a street system in the city, road system, motorway system. And along those streets, bacteria build their little homes. And then viruses build their homes on the bacteria and on the bacterial homes because they're even smaller. And archaea are quite small as well. They, they also, it, it's, it's a highly, highly complex thing. Every time you take an antibiotic, it's like a, a bomb that's been dropped on that city. It's a bomb. Yes, and by antibiotic. The fire is everywhere, sewage doesn't work, there's no water, there's no electricity, there's no gas. Uh, traffic can't go on because the, everything's blocked. It doesn't work, that city doesn't work anymore. So it doesn't supply your body with proper nutrients and proper care. And, and an antibiotic can be chlorine in the water, it can be uh, antibiotics that are in the food that are fed to the animal foods, it can be um, preservatives that are in food. Uh, right. Pesticides, Every herbicides, chemical. fungicides, any chemical that doesn't belong in the gut that we are getting in our diets. We live in a petroleum age. I'm sure that, you know, hundreds of years from now, humanity, children at school in their textbooks will read about this petroleum age that humanity lived in. Because since humanity has discovered oil, crude oil from the ground, it gradually has discovered all, all sorts of many uses uh, for that crude oil. We live in, the, in an age of petroleum-based medicine, for example, because in the 19th, at the beginning of the uh, 20th century, the oil magnates of the world who owned the oil production discovered that you can make drugs out of oil. And uh, so they've set up an American Medical Association and they funded it. And they set up at the same time um, so-called scientific institutions for medicine and pharmaceutical industry. And the purpose of American Medical Association was to rewrite curriculums of medical schools in order to sell petroleum products. Before then, doctors used to use diet, homeopathy, herbs, acupuncture, and other natural methods for healing their patients. What the purpose of American Medical Association was is to pronounce all that unscientific and quackery, drive it out of the curriculums of the medical schools and uh, rewrite curriculum in such a way that only petroleum-based drugs uh, can be sold can, can, through the medical industry. And uh, any billionaire who's involved will tell you that the most profitable industry in the world is the health industry. The most profitable, and it is a petroleum-based medicine, petroleum-based uh, pharmaceutical industry. We have petroleum-based agriculture, petroleum-based uh, chemical industry, and uh, everything's petroleum-based. Humanity has invented some 100,000 or probably more chemicals to date, which do not exist in nature from petroleum. Most of these chemicals are not even researched, what effect they have on forms of life on the planet. But every time scientists catch up with this chemical, they find, oh my God, it causes this disease and that disease, it destroys this and destroys that and damages this and damages that. And we are absolutely swimming in chemicals in our lives. We start our day with brushing our teeth with toxic chemicals, washing our hair with toxic chemicals, slathering toxic petroleum products all over our skin, our armpits and everywhere else, putting clothes on that's been washed with petroleum-based chemicals um, and they stay in the clothes and they stay in your bedding. We breathe them all day long and they, most of them, because they don't belong in nature and your body is part of nature. Your body doesn't have solid mechanisms of uh, removing them, destroying them, dealing with them. So a lot of them, 
they absorb because your skin is not a barrier. It's a sponge. It absorbs every chemical in seconds. It's in your blood in seconds. When you apply deodorant or cream or makeup or shampoo or anything else. And uh, they get stored in the body. If the body cannot neutralize them and remove them, it stores them, safely tucks them away somewhere so that they cause minimal, minimal damage, these things. And when these things accumulate too much, when this lump of toxicity accumulates, that then creates cancer. That is the cause of cancer, our chemicals, our, our, our love of chemicals. <laughs> Humanity's love affair with chemicals. That causes cancer. And when a woman gets pregnant, Pregnancy is a chance for the woman's body to cleanse. I know it sounds unfair, sounds cruel, but the way Mother Nature created a woman's body, it uses pregnancy as a chance to clean up by dumping toxins into the baby, into the fetus. So if a woman, depending on how much toxicity she's accumulated prior to pregnancy, when she gets pregnant, she dumps that lot into the baby. If it's enough to kill the baby, she will have a stillbirth or a, or a, a miscarriage. We have an epidemic of miscarriages. If it's not enough to kill the baby, she will give birth to a child with a high toxic load. This child will have a poor constitution and will be ill. It'll have eczema, it'll have asthma, it'll have autism, it'll have ADHD, it'll have other learning disabilities, it'll have diabetes type 1, leukemia, anything you like. And, and all, of this, all of these things are, are reaching epidemic proportions. I've now just been sent a, a study that in uh, Jersey, uh, in America, uh, the latest, that one in 15, eight, seven-year-old children are, now have autism. One in 15. It is a real, true epidemic. That is what our governments need to be worrying about. I've that heard you say... I've heard you say that um, it's been determined that this new generation is the first generation that will be outlived by their parents. Yes, that's right. Because children are born with such high toxic load, with such damaged gut flora because of all the foods that the parents eat and because of the food that the child eats from the beginning, because everything that floats in the mother's blood comes out of her milk. If she's drinking chlorinated water, if she's eating food laced with chemicals, if she's taking medications, it'll all be in her milk. It'll all be going into her baby and uh, damaging the baby's gut flora. If the child is not breastfed, that situation is even worse because um, synthetic formulas can never provide what the breast milk is supposed to provide. These children, these children are definitely laying the ground for very poor health for the rest of their lives. And now we have a, a quite a large and a growing proportion of children whose constitution is so poor, scientists are predicting that they will not outlive their parents. Their parents will bury them. So we've annihilated our guts, um, killed off the microbiome. What does that do to the intestines? What is a, a leaky gut and how do we fix it? Remember those little cells with, with thick head of hair that are lining your, your gut, the villi? They produce a kind of glue, like a Velcro on the sides. So they glue together, or maybe like a Velcro, you know, stuck together on the sides. So whatever food is absorbing, is not supposed to absorb between these cells. The food, when it's digested, it's taken inside these cells. The cells analyze it, complete the digestive process, and decide what's allowed in and what's not allowed in. But what happens in a person with abnormal gut flora, with damaged gut flora, a person who's eating out of a supermarket, or a person who's taking antibiotics, or other medications, contraceptive pill has a devastating effect on the gut flora. 
So women who take contraceptive pill damage their gut flora very seriously. And uh, what happens, this pathogenic, of growing pathogenic flora in the gut produce certain chemicals which dissolve that glue or, or dissolve that Velcro that is holding the cells together. So the cells come apart, your gut wall becomes like a sieve. Holes develop in the gut wall. As a result, food doesn't get the chance to be digested properly before it absorbs. It gets right between those cells undigested. Your immune system, of course, finds this food immediately, looks at it and says, you're not food, and attacks it. Uses various mechanisms to deal with these lumps of food, which are undigested. And this attack manifests itself as a food allergy or intolerance. Any symptom under the sun can be a panic attack, an asthma attack, a skin rash, a migraine headache, a psychotic attack. It can be uh, atrial fibrillation. It can be you know, long-term various symptoms. And the reaction can be immediate or delayed. So on any given day, when you have a leaky gut like that, a gut like a sieve, you have no idea what you're reacting to. You might be reacting to something you've just had for lunch, plus something you had yesterday, plus something you had three days ago, plus something you had two weeks ago. You're reacting pretty much to everything you eat because most of the things that you eat are absorbing and digested through that damaged gut wall. People go and do tests in laboratories and the laboratories give them uh, four pluses for these foods and three pluses for that food. And so people start removing foods out of their diet and they remove and remove until there's hardly anything left to eat. And they're still reacting. Because as long as your gut is like a sieve, it's leaky, you are reacting to everything you eat. So in the GAPS nutritional protocol, we don't do these tests. It's a waste of money, a waste of time, particularly at the beginning of the protocol. What we do, we focus on healing and sealing the gut wall. We basically build a new gut wall for the person. Because these little hairy cells only live one, two days. They have a very short life. They are born at the bottom of the villi, and then they travel up the villi, fulfilling functions of digestion and absorption. By the time they get to the top of the villi, they're so old, so work out, they're so tired, they die and they get shed off. And new cells are pushing, 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 moving, moving, moving up. So <clears throat> in order to have these cells born healthy and fulfill their functions properly, we need two things. We need properly functioning gut flora, harmonious, balanced, good gut flora, because these microbes run the whole process. And we need building materials for the body to give birth to trillions of new cells. What are these building materials? Protein and fat. We can live without carbohydrates perfectly well, human beings. We don't need carbohydrates. Protein, fat, 50-50. The only suitable protein for the human body is animal protein from meat, fish, eggs, and dairy. The only suitable fats for the human body, for building your body, are animal fats. Pork fat, lamb fat, beef fat, goose fat, duck fat, butter, ghee. So if you eat plenty of these, and that's what GAPS diet provides plentifully, in a, in a plentiful amount and in the easiest form uh, to digest for the damaged digestive system. If you provide enough of those, then those little cells will be born healthy, vigorous, and happy, and they will start building up and pushing off the, the, the dead ones and the bad ones and the damaged ones. And you build yourself a new, happy, shiny gut wall without any holes in it. And when that happens, your food allergies and intolerances disappear. 
and you don't need to worry which particular food you're reacting to. Once the holes are closed, everything digests properly before it absorbs and all your reactions disappear. That's what we do in the GAPS nutritional protocol. We focus on building new gut wall for the person rather than juggling, oh, maybe I'm reacting to this, I should remove that. Or maybe I'm reacting to this. That's what we yeah. do. And I, I, I want to um, harp on the one word that you used, uh, protocol, because in that protocol, um, I've learned a few uh, tools um, such as skin allergy testing and the diet log and how to use those things and and to build your diet. On if, if we just you know isolate the last few minutes, we say, okay, all we have to do is go out and buy a bunch of you know uh, dairy, meat, and eggs. No, <laughs> it's not like that. There is a protocol to follow. Uh, how can people learn that protocol? What's the best way? I know that there's GAPS practitioners and there's local communities, people that are following this together and meetings people can go to to learn more. Um, where's the best place to find a GAPS practitioner for coaching? You start, you start by reading my books. GAPS is described in two books. My first GAPS book, Garden Psychology Syndrome, it's been around for almost 20 years now. And it it has become, it created, a, a, a GAPS became a global phenomenon. It's been translated into 25 languages and more translations coming in. I'm not translating them. People in those countries find that they need this information. And the, this focuses on the brain, on the function of the brain, the way the brain is connected to the gut and the way the gut causes all mental illness and learning disabilities. The second book came out last year. And that's the one you've shown, Gotten Physiology Syndrome. It's quite a bit thicker. <laughs> this one focuses on the rest of the body. That's why I call it Gotten Physiology Syndrome. Both abbreviate to the same gaps in the English language. And uh, this focuses on autoimmune illnesses, allergies, cancer, on um, chronic fatigue syndrome, fibromyalgia, uh, neurological illnesses, hormonal illnesses, asthma, eczema, all of, this, all of these illnesses, because all diseases begin in the gut. I have been training practitioners for many years now, as you know, and uh, they are listed on my website, gaps.me, G-A-P-S dot M-E. We also started training a separate professional, which is called GAPS Coach. These are people who are more hands-on. These are the people who can come to your house and do shopping with you and cook with you or cook for you if you don't have energy, if you feel too ill and you can't manage the whole thing. This person can come to your house and cook for you and feed you and slowly, gradually educate you on how the whole diet should be done and how the whole protocol needs to be done. So these are GAPS coaches, and you will find them on the same website, gaps.me. Perfect. You know, um, I, I love your content. I had read the first book, the yellow book, um, focusing on the psychology syndrome, the P for psychology. And now I haven't finished yet the one where the P is for the physiology syndrome. Um, I, I do love them both. And I didn't know that people were translating them for you and that, that you know, it is that big for people listening. The books are incredible. Um, we're in the middle of a pandemic. The real pandemic is the chemical annihilation, uh, the damage that's being done to our guts, the gut being the control center of our body. I know you've referred to it as the largest endocrine organ in the body. There is so much more 
Dr. Natasha, I would love to talk to you for hours upon hours. I want to be respectful of your time. We have everybody, we gave, gave them a taste of, um, of your content. They now have a place to go and get more, the books, the website. Um, I just want to thank you so much. Is there anything that you would like to leave our audience with? Um, I just like to say that human body is a miraculous creation. It's the pinnacle of evolution. It has all the ability to heal itself and rebuild itself programmed into you. Your own body heals you. Not the doctor, not the pill, not the diet, not anything else. Your own body does the work. All you have to do is respect it, feed it properly, not abuse it, and listen to it. And give it what it asks for. And number one, absolutely bar none, number one healing substance that your body will ask for is the correct food, the right food, the right diet. So I have lost count of illnesses that have been pronounced incurable by the mainstream medicine, the petroleum-based medicine, uh, which are curable. I have patients who recovered from multiple sclerosis, amyotrophic lateral sclerosis, rheumatoid arthritis, lupus, Hashimoto, Crohn's disease, um, schizophrenia, OCD, anorexia, autism. All of these things are curable. If you work with nature, if you work with your body, rather than running to the doctor to suppress symptoms with pills. So trust your body. And, and it's a beautiful creation. And it's, it, it's immensely, immensely powerful. Wow. Wow. Thank you, uh, Dr. Natasha. You are truly um, an amazing person, a, a giver to the world. I thank you for all that you do. Thank you very much. And thank you for your work. Thank you for educating people and spreading the news. I hope you enjoyed that episode today on The Dr. Haley Show. Make sure to hit subscribe on whichever platform you are listening to this. If this episode made you think of someone, go ahead, take a screenshot, and share this exact episode with them. You can catch the show notes for this episode on www.drhaley.com. If you want to geek out with Dr. Michael Haley on other radical health topics, be sure to check out his YouTube channel where he posts exclusive video content. All the details are at www.drhaley.com and we can't wait to hang out with you on the next episode.